Hey, Vikings fans, number 96, Brian Robinson is bringing NYC's cheesiest food stand to U.S. Bank Stadium. Visit Mack Truck Mac and Cheese on Minnesota Vikings game days for a new game time snack. Patrick Peterson was saying something about where he put like three fake moves, like a fake corner, fake post, just to come back to a hitch route. And Peterson's like, I've never seen anybody do a triple move just to do a comeback route. But this kid, he can do it. And I think Kendrick had mentioned it best. He said, we got to feel a possession or two. That's just who we are and that's how we've won games. And uh, defensively, anyway, they weren't able to get those key stops. You're listening to the Minnesota Vikings podcast. I'm Tatum Everett alongside Gabe Henderson, Jay Nelson, and our producer, Eric Davidson. The Vikings suffered a tough loss on Sunday to the Lions, dropping a 10-3 on the season. Later this episode, we'll break it all down with the Star Tribune's Andrew Kramer. But first, I'd like to get your 24-hour-later reaction. Jay, you want to go first? Uh, sure. <laughs> Looking through the stats, you would think this was not as kind of feeling lopsided as it was in the end. Um, 23 first downs for each side, 18 passing first downs for both sides, one of two on fourth down for both sides, uh, 416 yards total offense for us, 464 for them. But the stats to me that really jumped out was the uh, red zone. We went two for four. They went two for two. They had the time of possession at almost 32 minutes. And then we had two turnovers. And when you look at the the kind of jump pass miss at the goal line, that was a killer, especially yeah. at the end. Yeah. And there were just there were I, I guess for me, I kept looking at it saying there's too many missed opportunities here. You can't make those kind of mistakes when you're giving up over 400 yards of offense. And the Lions, to their credit, just kept the hammer down even when they had the lead and pulling out trick plays, whether it's a trick punt or a, a, a trick pass to get that first down at the end of the game. The Lions did everything on their end. That was that was the right call in order to really you know put us on our back heels, and we just weren't able to recover. Yeah, I would just say start fast on offense. Um, the turnover on down the um, the first drive of the game, uh, I, f- I feel like really put us in a um, it, it put us in a hole, and um, just understanding that you know we did score the next drive, but that first drive kind of dictated how the pace of the game for our offense uh, would be. Um, you you would hope. We would, you know, continue to, you know, sustain drives and, like Jay said, score in the red zone. But um, ultimately, the Detroit Lions made better, made more plays than we did. And um, hats off to those guys. They were they were more physical than we were um, on the offensive line and defensive line. And and ultimately, I, I believe that's the reason why we lost. What was crazy to me was if you if you go and look at it, given all the chaos and craziness that happened in the first half, we were down seven. And we were getting the ball to start the second yeah, half. Yeah, so I didn't feel like, like that. I'm like, all right, well, <laughs> no, we're down seven. No. You know, they miss a field goal at the end kind yeah. of thing. Like, we had the opportunity there knowing we were down seven going in the second half. I'm like, as long as you don't have kind of a lull in the third quarter, which was part of the criticism going into the game, you'll be okay. Uh, both teams on the second half combined for 36 points. Yep. So it turned into a both sides on the front end were kind of in a lull. And then the second half, both sides sprinted, and the Lions, to their credit, out, outpaced us by you know four points. So it was just a really odd, odd day. Yeah, I, I know every game there are a few plays that either team could say they wish they had back. Like during the game yesterday, I just wrote down just like in the moment, okay, I wish we had this back. So like the two-point conversion, wish we would have kicked the field goal, but I wish we would have converted it. But like the fumble, uh, the turnover on downs, JJ, the missed hold, uh, he got double teamed that one play. And then um, that first down catch that we thought was a first down and then he rolled back. You know what I'm talking about? Yep. That like should that, have been a first down. Well, the way they looked at it was 
he was not touched and until momentum, he, right? the momentum took yeah. him back before he got touched. So technically, it was a, a third and short, which is still kind of weird to me. And I agree with you, Tatum, but I guess the rules yeah. were just, yeah, just a little fickle in that play. It's weird with that stuff to me because when you when you look at that play specifically, if it's a quarterback you know, going forward or something, as soon as they start to go down, they're down, they're counted yeah. as down, you can't touch them. But then in that kind of a, a situation with a wide receiver, they typically count the forward momentum. But then when he's coming backwards on that momentum, they and he wasn't touched, they were like, oh, he came back across the line. And that was kind of how it was. It just felt awkward to me. And, 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 and I guess that's the thing, I think, for fans, a lot of times when you look at how this stuff goes, it is a very difficult uh, thing sometimes to to really understand kind of where those rules are. It's kind of like an Adam Thielen catch. I feel like whenever Adam Thielen catches it, he runs back like five yards to get like two. So technically, it's only like a three-yard gain. So I guess that's similar to how they, they, they view J.J.'s catch. For me, I thought that the bounces that we're used to seeing go our way were not. Yeah. And that's that's tough because I I do think that uh you know this team fought down the stretch I thought that the you know giving themselves a chance there towards the end it just like you said if if a few of those that could have just gone a certain way like what would have happened if JJ wasn't ruled out of bounds what would have happened if Dalvin completed that play like there are so many small things that normally would go the way of the Vikings or have been characteristically this season. And um, I don't know. I, I didn't feel like it was as charmed of a game. Like you said, it felt the seven point difference felt like, you know, three touchdowns at halftime. It was really odd. And, and another one to your point there of a key moment, something that stood out to me in the moment going, oh, that's going to be a, a biggie was uh, Cam Dantzler having the opportunity potentially for an interception and even the yeah. tipped ball when Zadarius didn't see the ball. Like if you had literally caught that ball that went off a helmet. He would have literally walked into the end zone untouched. No one, and he, but he just had no idea. And that is the thing where, you know, if you gave up 464 yards of offense to the Detroit Lions, defensively, the way that we have mitigated those kind of big games by uh, opposing offenses has been turnovers and stopping them in the red zone and forcing field goals. And and that was something you just did not get this game. And, and like I said, I, you know, kudos to Detroit for finishing those plays, getting the yardage and, and minimizing their mistakes. And, and that was the secret to their success this week. They felt like a complete team. The entire time. The, the Lions, Lions did. Yeah. They felt like they were a complete team who had figured out how to play complementary football, which is something that I don't know if the Vikings have quite put together despite their record. It's always been one phase kind of picking up the slack for maybe another that isn't up to par, but it's never been that even. And I think that's kind of what really put them over the edge for me. Yeah, we're waiting for it. We're still waiting for it. And the Detroit Lions knew that. And I forget, someone said the Lions showed America how to beat the Vikings. And Ooh, that's kind looking of at it, and they basically said they were just more physical. If you want to beat the Vikings, just be more physical. So these Vikings players, they heard probably the same quote. And Kevin O'Connell was probably going to meetings on Tuesday basically saying, hey, guys, here, here's what the national media is saying about you. They're saying we're not a physical team. So we need to continue to, you know, not beef up our offense and defensive line, but also, you know, find ways to uh, be more physical and, and find ways to be able to impose our own will. I feel like that's when we're at our best, when we're imposing our own will, getting sacks, running the ball effectively, uh, being good on special teams. And when we're able to put all three of those phases of the of the game together, I, I don't see many teams beating the Vikings. What raised my eyebrow pregame was Garrett Bradbury being out, and that yeah. was one to me. It just felt like this might be a little bit more 
uh, important than I think some people would give credit to. I know it's your starting center. Yes, it's very important. But the amount of praise that he has gotten this season for his play, his veteran leadership and everything, and it was just like you've got both he and, um, you know, your Brandel out on the corner as well. You're just looking at missing essentially 40% of your starting offensive line for this game. You were hoping those guys could step up and, and, you know, for the most part they did do well, but at the same point, you know, Kirk took four sacks in this game and, and it's just something that it felt like whether it was, you know, coverage downfield um, for the lions where eventually they realized, yeah, you can't touch JJ in this game. That was when they really started airing that out. But for the lions, they put pressure on him and this team knows that, defenses are going to look at him and say, we know we have to put pressure on Kirk or Kirk's going to slice us up. So it just felt in this game that, you know, the Lions took advantage of of the disadvantages that we had. We weren't able to get the running game going. And so they did everything right in order to tilt the scales in their favor. And, and, they, and they pulled it out. OK, well, I think this might be a good time to just head into our play of the week. You know, let's 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 kind of, you know, take a little bit of a turn, do a little bit something more the positive, positive. <laughs> you know, 3M nice enough to sponsor our play of the week every week for the Minnesota Vikings podcast. They're the official science partner of the Minnesota Vikings. Visit vikings.com backslash school science to learn more. So we actually have ESPN on right now while we're watching, while we're recording this podcast. They are talking about the Lions-Vikings game and they showed our play of the week. So I just had to watch that one more time. We were trailing 31 to 16 in the fourth quarter and it was a touchdown that never was. The Lions lead 31-16. Two receivers left and right. Kirk Cousins goes out of the shotgun again. Dalvin to his left. Here's a blitz by the Lions. Cousins throws to the right. Caught! Jefferson at the 50. Bounces off a Lion at the 40. Flag comes in. They can't bring him down! Oh, he stepped out. Oh, they said he's out at the 33. Wow. Okay, Justin Jefferson doing unreal things. Let's not forget he only had 14 yards in week three against the Lions. Yeah. Uh, 223 set a single game receiving record, passing Sammy White. It also made Jefferson enter the Vikings top 10 for career receiving yards. He passes Kyle Rudolph, who's played in 140 games. Meanwhile, Jefferson has played in 47. Yeah, it's so crazy. He only needs 108 more yards to get eighth. It's crazy to, to uh, pass Stephon Diggs. Yep, he'll he'll do that probably next. Week. I was gonna yeah. say yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, against the Colts. Week. Yes, hopefully so. Hopefully. Um, but I think the most important part of that play was that it led to a KJ Osborne touchdown. Like we needed that. We needed a big play. I think that was um, a third and. Third, no, that was a second and six, I yeah, believe. Yeah, you're right. And we were, you know, down by, I believe, 15 at this point. And J.J., just being J.J., uh, continues to make plays. And um, the fact that we were able to extend that drive and score a touchdown, that just shows the the type of selfless leader, but also the phenomenal player that Justin Jefferson is. And uh, we're lucky to have him, man. So lucky. He's now recorded 22 games with 100-plus receiving yards. 22 of his 47 games. That ties Anthony Carter for third most 100-yard receiving games in franchise history. He's only behind Chris Carter and Randy Moss, obviously. And he's got about 20-ish games. So that record particularly we will be talking about maybe for a season or two. 
But uh, no, I mean, I, JJ is going to be our game day live interview this week. Really excited to sit down with him. Um, honestly, uh, it, it, it works out, you know, here's some um, behind the scenes information, but it works out a lot better because if we won, he may have been busy. But now yeah. that we got a loss in there, I actually get to interview him. So I'm, I'm pretty stoked about that. <laughs> yeah, you should be because Justin is, was the only highlight. Well, Kirk Cousins was a big highlight of yeah. the game, too. But yeah. both of those guys just to see the numbers that they put up it's you're you're really not supposed to lose games when your quarterback throws for 420 yards and your no. receiver has that many receiving yards so very true. hopefully they can continue being a highlight of our, our our team and hopefully everyone else's play can can step up and, and match their energy what's crazy to me watching Justin I think this is the thing that you know that he's a superstar you know that everyone in the league understands that he's a superstar but the casual nature by which it feels like he is busting these records and hitting these milestones is unbelievable watching him. You, you see him, you know, busting down the field and double coverage or triple coverage and breaking tackles and stuff and walking into the end zone. And he is a guy that I think for Vikings fans who saw Randy Moss, it felt like there were games where Moss would show up and then he'd be, you know, just eliminated from the play. And that's where Chris Carter would go crazy. And you had that complimentary here with Justin. It just feels at this point like uh, uh, DeAndre Hopkins was at one point where it doesn't matter who's on him. It doesn't matter where he's on the field. Just throw it in his general vicinity and he's going to come down with it. And and to me, at um, not only the the rate that he's doing this, the the least amount of games and and the age that he is, Everyone understands at this point that barring something crazy happening, this guy is going to shatter not only Vikings records, but NFL records for the future. Yeah, I think uh, earlier today, uh, this is we're recording on Monday, Chris Carter went on Kay Adams' show and she asked him to rank Vikings receivers, Randy, Justin, and Chris. And Chris put himself third. Put Randy as second and Justin as first. That's crazy. And wow. it was crazy to hear him talk about that. He um, he just said that Justin's athletic ability is just at an elite level and better than what Randy and Chris were athletically. But he, he made such a great point, though. He's like, you know, Randy obviously, I mean, Randy could have done even more, which is crazy to think. But he had Chris Carter yeah. as his uh, guy yeah. on the other side where, you know, no knock on Adam Thielen, he said, but it, it, it's not at the, exactly at the same level. Like when yeah. JJ's JJ. We don't we don't have two Hall of Famers exactly. on, on our offense yeah. at the receiver position. So the fact that JJ is getting all this attention and making plays and still, you know, getting up and doing it again is I mean, I, I feel redundant by saying this, but like we are witnessing greatness for sure. And when you witness greatness, sometimes you don't even need to say anything. You just watch it and just well, let, it, let it happen. Well, Chris called him a unicorn. He is. He is a unicorn. <laughs> yeah. Like it's like there at times when I when I see JJ play, just like being a former receiver, I'm just like, how in the world is this happening right now? Like yeah. there's there's triple coverage on this man. Kirk is telling you where he's going to throw it, and the guy is still coming down with the ball. Like you, you you literally just have to sit back and just watch. I'm not going to com- going to compare him to LeBron. But I just remember LeBron James early in his career breaking all these records. And it's like, dude, this is like. And it feels casual, right? Exactly. Yeah. And you, you start to expect it. And that's the reason why I don't say anything, because I personally don't want to get to a point where I start expecting J.J. to make these plays. Because I'm like, he's human. Like, he's still human at the end of the day. But I, I've never seen anything like it in my entire life. There is a touch of this, though. This It reminds me at how kind of you took it for granted, but you also understood just how insane it was watching Adrian Peterson in his prime. Mm. And busting off, you know, 200-yard games and, and and going as crazy as he did, winning an MVP in the league. I mean, 
that is the thing when you you start to see this, whether it's you know decade by decade, and you see the the pure talent coming out at certain spots. But to think about how rich this Vikings offense has been with wide receivers in the past, with a Sammy White, a Chris Carter, a Randy Moss, and now having a guy like Justin Jefferson step up and kind of grab that mantle, it's it's really awesome to watch. And as a fan, it's something that should really excite you for the future. Well, our guest on the show this week wrote a nice in-depth article we're going to talk to him about uh, later on in his interview. Andrew Kramer from the Star Tribune wrote about Justin's greatness. A lot of analytics, as we all love Andrew for. He's a very analytical guy. So let's welcome him into the Minnesota Vikings podcast. Joining us now on the Minnesota Vikings podcast is Vikings beat writer for the Star Tribune, Andrew Kramer. Andrew, thank you for fitting this into your very busy day as you made your way back from Detroit this morning. Of course. Thank you for having me on. Yes. Uh, you know, it, the weary, no rest for There's the no weary. Is that weary. what it's called? No sure, rest yes. for the weary. You've got you've got kind of a, a somber mood in the locker room yesterday. I think by far the most disappointed this team has been from my vantage point after the game. When you were in the locker room, what was the vibe you got from the players? I would have to agree. Um, missed opportunity, I think, was was kind of the refrain and the common theme from talking to Brian O'Neill to Cam Bynum to Eric Kendricks. Um, a lot of the leaders and, and key players on that team felt like they let something slip through their hands. And it's not like they're afraid they're not going to win the division. It's just about capitalizing on what they think is a really special season and what has been a really special season. They don't want to let it go to waste. They understand some of these guys, especially like Adam Thielen, too. He's been around long enough to know these opportunities do not come very often where you are in a position to not only win the division, but but make a deep run uh, in January. And they felt like they could kind of make a statement in this game. And they obviously fell short. And I think there was some level of understanding because they were shorthanded. Um, they held back. Kevin O'Connell decided to play it smart with some of those injured guys. And so that limited the talent that they had on the field. But I still think they're talented enough to win that kind of game. And, and they just couldn't put it together. I think in a season where you've seen so many games come down to essentially the last drive and feeling like you still have a chance, you still have the ability to make something happen and, and to, you know, essentially prior to this game, be 10 and two because of those, those nine close games that they'd been able to work with this season. I think maybe that was part of it too, is that they did, they've, they've always, found a way to, to make it work and to find a solution and to be in a game where they were kind of chasing there in the second half and and just couldn't get a stop, you know, in order to put the offense into position to really try and, and get to that point again had to be something that felt kind of foreign to them this week. Yeah, that's a good point um, because they were never really out of it. Um, it was always kind of a one or two score game. And so it's just, that's just kind of how this, this season's gone. And for them not to finish on that one, I think Kendricks had mentioned it best. He said, we got to, we have to steal a possession or two. That's just who we are, and that's how we've won games. And uh, defensively, anyway, they weren't able to get those key stops. Yeah, you bring up a great point because this defense is a very bend-don't-break. They are opportunistic. They'll, a lot of the sudden changes is what they've been able to capitalize on, and they didn't have that in this Lions game. It's the fifth straight game allowing more than 400 total yards. I know fans were pretty um, panicky on Twitter. Uh, Andrew, how panicked are you to see see the way that this defense has played over this last stretch of five games. It is a little bit alarming considering how the start of the season wasn't as porous, at least down the field. If, if I'm an observer of, of you know, I am an observer, but if I'm looking at this Vikings team invested and wanting them to do well, I'm thinking, 
you know, there's no signs of improvement throughout this year when it comes to the pass coverage and the pass rush. I think they've given up 12 completions of 30 plus yards and in those last four games. And then it was just 11 such throws in the first nine games of the season. So guys are just throwing all over the yard on them. And, and I think that's, that's the thing that you got to be worried about is the big plays that that's what this defense is supposed to stop. That's what the coaching staff preaches. That's what Ed Donatel's philosophy is. We're going to play for whatever we give up underneath. We're going to play deep coverage and try to take away those big plays. And the problem is, I think Cam Bynum called them mental errors. See, we're just having too many of those mental errors and mental lapses, he said. And to do that in December is a little bit alarming. The elephant in the room yesterday was the fact that Harrison Smith did not play in that game. You know, he did get a, a Cam Dantzler back, and, and he had a couple plays in that game. But, you know, you're talking about those mental errors. One of the things we've always kind of heard is Harrison Smith being out there as kind of that general on the field, making sure people are in the right position and know where they're going to be. You know, how killer was it just not to have Harrison Smith out there on the field? Yeah. It really seemed like they felt that it did um but some of those two were isolating Cameron Dantzler uh, who came back and I don't know how much rust he was still knocking off he obviously missed those four games but the Lions seemed to kind of target him a little bit obviously that first go ball to DJ Chark down down that left side and then that one deep touchdown I'm not sure who, who it was on Jamison Williams the initial one but um, you're looking at that one as it was Cam Bynum, a guy who's been there, done that, been in position, Patrick Peterson, or Cameron Dantzler, who has been in some hot water before in those situations. So Cam has, has leaned on Harrison a lot in some of those moments, but you still got to own up and make those plays. And, and I think Cam had kind of a rough reintroduction on, on Sunday. And we've seen him play better. Coaches have seen him play better, so you know he can turn it around. But um, that first game back, it, it certainly seemed like he was knocking some rust off. Yeah, and it, it felt a lot like the the call for better execution, the like you had mentioned with the missed opportunities or the mental lapses, was such a theme in this defensive uh, reaction to the loss. But I wanted to ask you about the lack of pass rush, which has been quite a popular fan question for us on pick six and in the Vikings mailbag, because you're seeing you're seeing no sacks. You're seeing almost like a a regression. Uh, I don't even know if that might be too strong of a word, but a regression from the from Zadarius Smith being as dominant as he was earlier in the season. Could it be wear and tear? What do you attribute this lack of pass rush to? I think offenses. Uh, realize that is the strength and that sounds a little uh, off off kilter because of what we've seen here we haven't seen that show in the strength but that that is by far their most talented position is is edge rusher obviously Zadarius and Daniil those guys get so much attention from opposing offenses we are seeing um, them get chipped by tight ends running backs we are seeing just true double teams at times we are also seeing quarterbacks get the ball out really quickly against this uh, defense. And that speaks a little bit to the issues in coverage, in my opinion. They're missing tackles sometimes on these underneath throws, um, or they're giving up some of these intermediate areas just kind of wide open for these quick 11, 12, 13-yard strikes. And that neutralizes those two guys off the edges when you can get it out in two and a half seconds. Um, I was curious about this as well, and we get a lot of questions mm-hmm. on our stuff, too, about that pass rush. And um, the last four weeks, the Vikings have faced, like, 
uh, each week a top 10 quickest thrower of the week. Oh, wow. Um, from Dallas to, to New England to the Jets. I think that, that's a little um, smudged because I think golf is like 12th uh, right now and they got the Monday night game to play. But, but maybe not in the last five games, getting, though, <laughs> for him. Yeah, these guys are getting... Yeah, these guys are getting the ball out quick on wow. the Vikings. So I think that's part of it. And then they underneath coverage if they want to help out that pass rush. When you look at the the current standings, I know, you know, we we lost this game here. We were trying to see if we could clinch last week and this week. And, and maybe that was part of the disappointment, too, is just not being able to officially punch your ticket into the, the postseason. But you look at us right now, we're still sitting at that number two seed, but the, the San Francisco 49ers are kind of sneaking up on us there now at nine and four. I think that you look at the rest of these these four games coming up here with Indy, New York, Green Bay, and Chicago, you know, you have that opportunity to still kind of control your own destiny there at that number two position, uh, unless, you know, Philly really falters. But um, just trying to outpace the Niners there, uh, what do you kind of foresee going on here with Minnesota in these next four games as far as what the storyline is of what they need to accomplish going into the playoffs? Yeah, they suddenly need to keep that surging 49ers team at bay. Um, the, the one seed seems like it's out of it. You're now three games behind, basically, because Philly's got that tiebreaker. And so um, right now you're looking to keep the two, and you're trying to build some momentum, some confidence. You're trying to regain um, what you had during that run of one-score win and get a two-score win against the Indianapolis Colts. <laughs> I think those kind of things can help. I really do. I think players know they can do it. When you're 10-3, and three, they're not looking around the locker room right now being like, oh, woe is us. But they're looking around saying like, all right, now we got an opportunity here to rally and have four weeks to really put together some of their best football against some opponents who might allow them to do so uh, starting on Saturday against the Colts. And uh, I was looking back um, in September, you did kind of a deep dive. It was really well done on Justin Jefferson and what makes him great. And obviously breaking the single game uh, receiving yard record in Vikings history, getting into the top 10 in career yards uh, for the Vikings as well. I mean, he his play obviously speaks for itself, but when you were doing your research and, and talking to sources and things like that, what did you find out makes Justin Jefferson great? Well, I think the engine that drives him, right? And that's, that's the key thing between a lot of these guys. And it's not just that raw talent. It's who you are every day, the habits that you put. And this kid eats, sleeps, breathes football. He's, I couldn't believe this. I saw something the other day that he was either a month younger or older than Christian Watson, the rookie over with the back. Oh, wow. Yeah, I didn't I even like, know gotta that. you got to be kidding me. He's so young. Wow. Justin Jefferson is You do forget about that. Dominating. It's just incredible. So uh, to me, it, it's the maturity for his age and not just the maturity in his game, but the maturity of the young man and how he carries himself and how he's a professional. And um, you to him who speaks ill about you know who he is as a person how he treats people how he goes about his daily life and i think that goes a long way when it comes to taking what is a supreme skill set and talent and then making that into an all-time great and um the football stuff i mean you, you hear guys like patrick peterson talk about there are times i don't know what route he's running and you've got a three-time all pro saying that about a 23 year old there's there's not much higher praise than that this yeah this kid is, is 
climbing up. And if you told me before the podcast about Chris Carter's comments, it's just, it's remarkable to hear. <laughs> yeah. What's crazy too is, you know, if you do look at the stats, I'm, I'm looking at the, the list right now with him being essentially 10th all time. You know, he's done it in 46 games. He's got 4,516 yards. If you want to play the, the fun game of, you know, double that and see where he would be for his future, that'd get him at 92 games and it put him at about 9,032 yards. That puts him about 200 yards or so behind Randy Moss in 21 less games. So, like, the kid currently at this point is at a historic pace in order to putting putting up these kind of numbers. And I guess I know defensive coordinators week to week have to be saying, this is the linchpin. You have to stop this guy. What does he do so well that really makes that impossible at times for certain defenses? It's kind of doing a little what Randy used to do. It's, it's uh, going over the top of people. It doesn't matter if you have one guy in front of you, a guy behind you, three guys around you you're going to go up and get it. It's the contested catches. It's the uh, body contortion, the tracking of the ball, the vision, uh, the intelligence to know where the coverage is and how to set it up to put yourself in best position. It's, it's just the complete package. And to me, it stands out and why you can't stop them is the contested catch portion of it. It's like a DeAndre Hopkins-style receiver who can go up against anybody and come down with it. And then, oh, by the way, he's shifty like Keenan Allen, too, and can also shake you at the top of a route and come back. And then Patrick Peterson was saying something about he, something he did this training camp where he put, like, three fake moves on him, like a fake corner, fake post, just to come back to a hitch route. And Peterson's like, I've never seen anybody do a triple move just to do a comeback route. But this kid, he can do it. And he can do it so seamlessly that, you know, it doesn't matter if you bracket him, if you double him. Uh, if Kirk just puts it up there, we see time and time again that uh, Justin can come down with it. Well, thank you so much to the Star Tribune's Andrew Kramer for joining us today to talk a little bit more about this current team. We will see you on Saturday, Andrew. I bet you're pretty pumped. You might not even have a somewhat of a day off on Sunday. <laughs> yeah, get to check some football out. It's, there you it's go. It's a rare Sunday to do that. But That's awesome. I'll absolutely enjoy it. It should be a fun one on Saturday as well. Yes, yes. Definitely an electric atmosphere. Thank you so much, Andrew, for joining the Minnesota Vikings podcast. Thank you for having me on. Big thanks to Andrew Kramer for joining the podcast. And as we kind of signed off saying, don't forget this week's Colts game is on Saturday. It's noon kickoff. On NFL Network, the players are asking fans show up and be loud to create that hostile environment against Indy. With a win, the Vikings clinch the NFC North Championship. And what better way to do that in front of the fans? That's why they, what happened Sunday happened. No, I'm kidding. LeBron knew. <laughs> LeBron had this all planned out. He said the Vikings are going to clinch against the Colts. I guess nobody When did he joke. say that? It's a joke. So oh. LeBron got called out on Twitter a, a few weeks ago because... He said he predicted something that was going to happen. So everybody's like, LeBron, he, he's a liar. He's like a habitual liar. So, so now I'm saying it's like a running joke that LeBron Got knew. it. He's predicting yeah, no he's matter predicting, what happens. Yeah. So did he lie by calling PA a national treasure then? Yeah. He knew, <laughs> he knew PA was going to call that game and the, the, the Bills would fumble on the one yard. He knew that. But, um, yeah, why not do it at home? In yeah, front of I kind of think it'd be more fun. Yeah. It's more of a party. Yeah. It's more fun to do it uh, with all of your, what, 65,000 of your closest For friends sure. hanging out in the building. Jay, do we have anything game presentation-wise that we're planning in case we win? Well, it, it's kind of crazy because we only have essentially, you know, barring something crazy happening with the playoff game, but we, we have two regular season home games left on back-to-back Saturdays. So I know um, on Christmas Eve, they've got the whiteout game that they have announced. And for this one, I think, you know, it's going to be 
the, the game press is going to do everything they can to help will this team to a victory, um, you know, making it as loud, as hostile, and as, as jubilant as possible. And I really do feel like we've seen this team when, when they have a tough loss. The following game, man, they come back just on yeah. fire. And I am really hoping that they look at this indie team who has had some success. And you've got, you know, a guy like uh, Unique Ngakwe coming in mm-hmm. back in the building here. Um, I, I'm hoping that this this Vikings team comes in with their hair on fire and just understands that you have the ability, once again, to control your destiny, punch your ticket to the playoffs, and then just start looking forward to the following three weeks after that of whoever your opponent's going to be, getting healthy, getting rested. And like you know, we talked about a little bit with uh, with Andrew having to outpace those Niners at this point who are nipping yeah, at your heels I mean, to try to take that two seed. So That's the thing. The two seed is so important right now. You know you're not going to be in the one. Yeah. Yeah, I know? mean, Philly's just Philly's, – Philly's outpacing everybody, and they're trying to, you know, keep away from the, the Cowboys at this point who have 10 wins. So, um, yeah. Think, yeah, I mean, think about the fact that we have 10 wins. We're the two seed. Dallas has 10 wins, and they're the five seed. So it, it's, uh, it's going to be a crazy, crazy finish here for the next four weeks. And uh, I think the Vikings just have to, you know, take the bull by the horns this weekend and and, and punch their ticket for the. Who playoffs. was this person that said that the a- the NFC was going to be weak this year? I don't know. Right? Le- Did, didn't remember hearing that yeah. stuff. Well, it was LeBron knew. <laughs> <laughs> it's topsy turvy. It was the whole thing of you had the haves and the have nots, and that's the other crazy thing. Guys, go look at the current standings and that that uh, wild card teams who's who's nipping at the the seventh spot. Oh like boy. in the NFC? NFC. Go oh, look the AFC? AFC? AFC is pretty crazy, NFC, too. AFC is crazy, but go look at the NFC right now and look okay. at who Washington, the bubble teams are within uh, two games. You got Washington, Seattle. Um, the Well, as of right now, all four NFC East teams are in. Yeah. The, uh, in the playoffs as of as of the time we are recording right now. And that so. was because, you know, the craziness happened with the Seahawks yeah. getting beat this weekend, and all of a sudden they slid. And then the Panthers are a half game out of first place in their division, which, which is, is with, and for, with four well, wins. Well, the way that the Bucks yeah. play, that's up yeah. for the taking yeah. easily. So if you if you look right now, you've got the Giants and the Commanders at 7-5, and five, Seattle's at 7-6, and six, and then Detroit's at 6-7 and seven oh behind Seattle, and the Packers are 5-8, and eight, uh, sitting there with Carolina and Atlanta at five and eight, all of those teams right now log jam. are within two games of each other for the six and seven spots. And there's uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven teams vying for two spots with the last four weeks to go. Man, I honestly believe it's going to come down to Detroit or Green Bay for that last spot. And I know they're as of right now they're out, but the Giants they're falling off. Washington, I believe, will be there. But the Seahawks, the way they played against the Panthers uh, yesterday, well on Sunday, the seven seed is wide open right now. Yeah. So, so that well, they're also they're they're both seven five and one. Remember that weird tie game? Yeah. yeah. So seven six and one, right? So if they lose on, I think they play Sunday night football against the Commanders. The Giants do, and if they lose that game, like they would be tied with the no, they would be a, a, game, a half a game ahead of the Detroit Lions. So yeah. And, and and then we get the Giants as well. So like the Giants are fighting yeah. for their playoff lives when they're going to be playing on that Christmas Eve game, but that craziness of of all of that and the four seed right now is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at six and seven. You know, the, but the Lions, the Lions the last four line. games, the Lions last four games, they're on the road against the Jets this weekend. Uh-huh. They're on the road against Carolina this weekend or the next weekend. Then they play the Bears at home. And then they end the season at Lambeau Field. Yeah. And like, 
I think that it's going to come, come, yeah, come, come down to that game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But that's a, but that's a tough like that's a tough two game road swing they're about sure. to go on. Yeah, I, I yeah, you're right. I don't even, yeah. I, I just think it's going to come down to that January. I think it's January eighth or January 9th. Whoever wins that game will we'll get that seventh yeah. seed. And if we went out. That's who we will so be playing. Yeah. The Packers host the Rams this weekend. Then yep. they go on the road at Miami. Tough. Then we play them in Lambeau. Tough. So yeah. that's their three games leading into that one, too. Yeah. So It never ceases to be boring at the end of a, oh, a playoff it's run. It's a Baker Mayfield Aaron Rodgers matchup this weekend. There you go. <laughs> Uh, but, but here, think about that's what we're getting excited about. That's what we're getting. That's what we're getting. But think about for the Rams, right? You, you, dead and buried, season done, all that kind of a thing. And yeah. then Baker comes in on forty-eight hours notice, and everyone's like, "Baker thing." Eh, it ain't gonna matter. And he could, you know, he did just enough. Yeah. They, they got, they were close enough. The defense held on until the very end. Baker was able to make a play and they get that win. Man, I would love to see him do it again. It's a, green and gold. It's not happening. <laughs> a boy can I would, dream I would candy. love to see it. A boy I'm with can you. Dream but I will. Candy. I will. I will say it's. It is. It is a little bit daunting to like. Like I feel like the Vikings need to win out yeah. at this point oh, in order sure. to keep the number two seed. I just don't want to play the 49ers. because the 49ers are at Seattle this on Thursday. That'll be tough, actually. Then they host the Commanders. At Seattle. Another tough defense. And then they play at the Raiders. Yeah, they'll, they'll win that And then one. they end the season, the Cardinals, at home. So those last two, they should win, in my opinion. These next yeah. two are the ones that are going to be where they potentially could have a stumbling block. But, like, that Commanders defense, if they can get after a Brock Purdy, you know, get that rookie out there and play that Commanders defense and yeah. put some pressure on him. Trent Williams, though. Uh, yeah. The Seahawks uh, beat them. Yes. Uh, I mean, they beat the Seahawks last meeting, twenty-seven to seven. Yeah, yeah. So Man, you never know. I, I love this time. That's why I love. That's why we all love December football because yeah. of you know storylines like this of you know teams literally a half a game or one game away from being in a certain spot. Like after Philly, everyone is is fair game. I for love any. that it's a mess. Yeah, <laughs> not, not for the Vikings. Not for the Vikings' sake, but, yeah, but I do love that it's yeah. an absolute mess. It's like a reality TV show. Ugh, but, my but favorite. See, but see, this is why you love, I, at least for me, I've actually thought about this. I'm like, why do I love pro sports? And, you know, there's certain TV shows and movies and genres that I really like. The reason I like pro sports, and it doesn't have to be just NFL, it can be almost anything, is because just in moments where you sit there and say, well, that can't happen, it does. And it's those moments that's the unscripted drama of you can't figure this out until it actually unfolds. That's why when you get, you know, Minneapolis miracles and things like that, if you watch that on TV shows, a lot of people just throw a remote and go, I'm out. I don't believe this. This is not this is not something that can happen. But that's why I love the drama of live sporting events is because you cannot script it. Someone might be, quote unquote, dead and buried. And all of a sudden they come back and and, and pull it off. Those are the most epic games that I love to watch is just that back and forth battle. We need to win. <laughs> yeah, we do. We need to win. Um, I hope it, I hope Saturday sets that up for everyone. Um, either way, the NFL does require teams that are leaning their division to uh, put playoff tickets on sale. So those playoff tickets will be going on sale this week. Similar to the regular season, there will be 6,000, less than 6,000 single game tickets available. Uh, and obviously, season ticket members, if you did not do the pay-as-you-play program, there will be tickets available for you guys starting uh, today, Tuesday, December yeah. 13th. And uh, then the Ticket Insiders on the 14th before going on sale to the general public on the 15th. And so, uh, yeah, I mean, I'd say pick it up because uh, 
It's been a little while since we've had some playoff football here. <laughs> those playoff tickets always go instantaneously quick. So whatever you can do, beg, borrow, and steal to get those tickets. And don't call me because I can't help you out. I got no ends. I am. Yeah, I'm call waiting. Call I'm waiting, Enrique. I'm waiting for the texts from from friends and family saying, "Hey, uh, what, what do you know?" So yeah. whatever you can do, if you've got an opportunity to get those tickets, get them as quickly as possible because we know that you know playoff football at U.S. Bank Stadium is going to be absolutely awesome. Question. So that means the uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are sending emails Possibly. to their fans this week? They are. Wow. Man. Because they have a winning percentage of 500 or better. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Barely, okay. but they do. Okay. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, man. Yeah, it, it, it's a it's a fun position to be it's this time of year. Very astute observation. <laughs> oh wait, no, they don't. No, they're at four. Oh, they don't. They're at four sixty two. I thought they were seven and six. My bad. No, no six that's, and seven. That's the thing. So no, they are not selling playoff tickets yet. Okay. Oh, and, but they're in the lead of their division. That is correct. Oh. They're they're six and seven. Okay. Panthers are five and eight. Never Falcons mind. Five and eight. And uh, New they Orleans are on sale for all you Buck yeah. fans listening to the Minnesota Vikings podcast. <laughs> <laughs> It's a good problem that we don't have at this point. It looks like we're we're in a good spot to be in the playoffs and yeah, and, um, that's crazy. I, I, for all the years that that you wish that you were a part of this mix, the fact that as of now we're sitting here a month out and already feeling like we're secure in our, our playoff position as far as getting into the big dance, you know, that's going to be something. I'm just happy that we get an extra home game minimum for sure. That's what I'm it's excited a huge about. Deal. I'm over here knocking on wood deal. as y'all talk because I'm like anything can happen. And after last week's game, I'm like cautiously optimistic. But like, I, I appreciate. There are like, so many. Uh, give me the positivity. Think, like, I need it. Do you it. think that it. they're gonna? Do you think they could lose out? No. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy! All right. No, if you've made I, it this far I, in the podcast, his his Twitter handle is at <laughs> Game Henderson. Enrique Davis Davison is, is uh, cutting this this part of the show out. No, you can keep it that. No, I. I it's any anything can happen at this point, and I, I, I do, know. I mean, the I Vi- know. all the Vikings. I mean, our, our schedule. I think you met. A, you said something last week. Of you know, we don't have the toughest schedule in the NFL. It's like it's the second the easiest, easiest end of schedule as yeah. of like that included the Lions game. Yeah. Yeah. So and then the Lions are. I mean, who knows? The Vikings should win out. Like we, we should. We should. Be and you fine. know what? If they don't, then like that's on them, and we understand. Like that's that's you kind of shot yourself in the foot there. But at this that doesn't feel like that's the identity of this team. No. As Andrew Kramer pointed out within the interview, he said, "If you feel like you're going to be able to essentially make some noise in the postseason, you got to get right in these last few games." Yeah, and so for sure. That's the thing. They have to get back on track. They have to get back to the winning ways. I've got. You know, hope and positivity on my side, feeling like they they have responded this season every time they've been kind of punched in the mouth at some point. And so that's why I feel like, you know, this weekend is the beginning of that push to get into the playoffs and be doing it the right way so that you feel confident whoever you're playing week one in the playoffs. For sure. Well, getting you ready for the Colts game, we've got a lot of exciting Vikings content coming out. And uh, that'll all begin with another exciting show uh, or edition of the Audible and Gabe, what we got going on this week? CJ Ham and Kane Wangwu. So I believe both of those guys are going to be entertaining first Always. and foremost. I believe it'll be another like insight, inside look on like what this running back room looks like because it's hard to get the stars Alexander Madison and Dalvin Cook to talk about themselves. So hearing it from other guys' perspectives and just hearing about how they all make each other better will be pretty cool. Especially a guy like CJ who's been around a bit too and fan favorite and everything and and 
he's got a, all the other stuff that comes out about, you know, like his kids on Instagram and all that kind of stuff. So okay. there's a lot of other storylines with him, but I think he's probably uh, going to be pretty honest about kind of what the, the feeling and vibe is in that, in that running back room for sure. Definitely. Definitely. And as I mentioned, the game day live guest is Justin Jefferson. We'll talk to a lot of experts this week about the game. Uh, you know, we've got X's and O's with Kevin O'Connell coming out. Um, and then Friday Football Feast is going to be the eve before the game. And uh, that will be in Plymouth. And I'm excited because that's kind of, you know, closer to my neck of the woods. So it shouldn't be that far of a drive for me. Yeah, Buffalo Wild Wings, it, this time of year, it always gets crazy when it comes to the holiday season. People taking days off to kind of go do some holiday shopping, decide to bounce in for something like that. And when you have a winning team and a winning season, that makes a huge it difference. makes a huge yeah. difference. Everyone going out, having a little bit of fun before they get going on their Friday. So that uh, Plymouth ought to be jumping this weekend. Edina yeah, was bumping. It was, but I, th- I feel like the fact that it's a Saturday game also, and, and it's literally, well, not literally, but it's 25 hours or 20-ish hours before kickoff, like that that gives you more excitement. So you just drink your cores light up until kickoff on Saturday. That and, and <laughs> but that but that's the thing is, think about it. Came in, did you just, did, are you, <laughs> are you encouraging binge hey, night, like late night binge I'm just, drinking? I'm just giving Molson Coors the <laughs> partnership that, um, the plug, the plug that, you know, rightfully so we should give. But yeah, just roll into yeah, the morning. I'm, I'm just, <laughs> Roll out of bed into U.S. Bank Stadium and wear purple. Whatever makes you as uh, fun, lively, and rowdy for game day. Enjoy. I think that would work. Oh, yeah. for sure. I think that would definitely work. <laughs> well, Sorry, guys. on that note, no, it's it's always a fun Monday. You know, when we get Eric over here in the corner laughing at us and chuckling, it's always a good sign. So His name is Enrique. <laughs> He's going to regret ever telling you that story. Anyway, thank you guys so much for listening to this week's Minnesota Vikings podcast. We will have another episode coming out on Friday. So we hope you guys tune in and uh, check out the rest of the Vikings content leading up to Saturday's Colts game on Vikings.com or the Vikings app. Lifetime, the official athletic country club of the Minnesota Vikings, has something for every member of your family. Get your family going today at lifetime.life forward slash kids.